welcome to the Pioneer Valley Church of Christ podcast. Here we will have a collection of sermons, conversations, and other inspirational material to help you grow in your walk with God. We hope you enjoy. Good morning. Uh, It is really, really good to be with you all this morning. Uh, My name is Tim Blake, and I'm from the Hartford Church. We now call ourselves The Heart. And uh, we, we changed our name about, I think, in 2018. Uh, we kind of rebranded ourselves. Uh, but we wanted to, we've been, actually, we celebrated our 25th anniversary uh, in, uh, what year was that? 2019. But there would be no Hartford Church if it weren't for the Pioneer Valley or Springfield Church. Uh, we are born out of you. So uh, all of your efforts, all of your heart, all of the love that's been here for, I don't know, how many years now? A lot of years. If there's no you, there's no us. So uh, on behalf of the heart, we want to thank you and appreciate, uh, send our love to y'all. I do, it's weird being here. I haven't been here in 13 years. So it's taken 13 years for y'all to ask me to speak again. And the last time I was here, uh, I spoke and then I think shortly thereafter you hired Sajin. So uh, I'm going to speak again, then maybe you need another transition. Anyway. (laughs) Just joke. The harbinger of death. Anyway, bad preacher's joke. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, being here, honestly, I live down the street. We're, uh, we're, right on the, we're right in Windsor Locks, right on the border. Whenever I go to Bears Barbecue, I see uh, Jamie in there hiding out, uh, pretending to work. Uh, I've seen uh, Steve Miller in there. Uh, who else have I seen? Oh, a, a real quick story. I'm at Costco in Enfield, and I'm checking out. I'm at Costco, and, you know, no, this is pre-COVID, no mask. I'm walking out, and then all of a sudden I see this woman looking at me. And uh, that is an uncommon occurrence, believe it or not. But she's just staring at me, and I'm like, okay. I'm like, hey. And then she keeps looking. And I'm like, hey, how are you? And she goes, hey, Tim. And I'm like... She goes, oh, it's Chantel. I'm like, oh, Chantel, hey! Anyway, happy birthday, Chantel. I don't know if you're here or not, but if you're online, happy birthday. I know it was yesterday, but anyway. Uh, but I uh, appreciate uh, knowing the Paskins are here. Uh, good to see the Paskins. They came back on up north. Days free. Uh, they fled to the north. Uh, David Silva, who's with us for a time. Uh, see Jamie uh, all over the place. Anyway, we love y'all, Tim and Ashley, obviously Ashley being from Hartford, uh, but really, really good to be with y'all. Uh, we're going we're gonna to hop on in. That's my family. Uh, that's from two years ago. My son is now 6'1". He looks down on me. Uh, my oldest, my youngest son, Tristan, uh, he's almost, he's about wife height right now, uh, my wife. So in any case, uh, they're taller. Uh, they, couldn't be, they're, they couldn't be here today. But in any case, we're going to hop in today. Uh, we are, I know your theme is rooted. I've been watching your uh, lessons, and I've actually got a picture of a, a big tree root. You're going to get that all year long, I'm sure. Um, but uh, today, obviously, this weekend, we celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, and I wanted to read something from you. If you have that quote up there, this thing is off, by the way, your television here. So I'll just read it. I was hoping I could just read here as opposed to my phone. We'll see what I can do. Martin Luther King had a quote uh, 
around about 1965, and he was at Ebenezer Baptist Church, and he shared this, and I thought uh, as we got into our sermon today, it might help. It says, we hold these truths, as he's reading from, uh, he's quoting uh, the Constitution, it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by God, creator, with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This is a dream. It is a great dream. The first saying we notice in this dream is an amazing, is an amazing universalism. It doesn't say some men. It says all men. It doesn't say all white men. It says all men, which includes black men. It does not say all Gentiles. It says all men, which includes Jews. Uh, it, it does not say all Protestants. It says all men, which includes Catholics. It does not even say all theists and believers. It says all men, which includes humanists and agnostics. He continues. It says never before in the history of the world has a socio-political document expressed in such profound, eloquent, and unequivocal language the dignity and worth of human personality. The American dream reminds us, and we should think about it, anew on this Independence Day, again, 1965, that every man in his, is an heir of the legacy and dignity of wor and worth. And I know in our country, it's so amazing, Martin Luther King uh, went from being the most hated man in America when he was assassinated in 1968 to the, one of the most quoted Americans in history. It's amazing how our country does these things. But his words speak so true because they come from and are, are born out of Scripture. And he was holding our country to a commitment that the founding fathers made that we would consider all men equals. And they were fighting for racial equality. Uh, they were fighting for uh, socioeconomic. They were fighting for economic quality. They were fighting for the rights of every person. And in uh, we heard the I Have a Dream speech. He says, I want little black boys and little uh, black girls and little white boys and little white girls to be able to hold hands, you know, down in Mississippi. Uh, and he goes through the whole litany of things. And that is an incredible dream. It's what a nation, any nation should aspire to. The challenge and problem with that is that if that dream is not submitted to and if it, it does not adhere to the lordship of Jesus, it just don't work. It just doesn't work. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. The title of the lesson today is Lordship of Love. Now, I know you guys are reading through Colossians. I pray I'm just going to normally uh, when a guest speaker comes there, we do in Hartford what we call commercial breaks where we take a break from our theme. And uh, I figure it's too early for a commercial, so I just hop in, and I don't know if I may read some stuff that Sajan had already read, but amen. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. And by the way, uh, Sajan, I've gotten A's too. If I can get 50 bucks, that'd be great. <laughs> Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. It says, for this reason... Colossians 1, 9 says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asked God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray that in order 
that we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully, uh, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. And uh, so funny, you know, Martin Luther King shared about inheritance. I didn't even, until we just read that, saw the whole inheritance piece that deep within our souls, we're ready to inherit this kingdom. In any case, there's a word that we just read in here that you glossed over. And, and through all the epistles in Hartford, we're doing, we're reading through Ephesians. And there's a word that's used over and over, and there's a word you glossed over. And I want to show you a video that illustrates what just happened. Can we show you our video? We have that video? Going. Video. Can you guys see this? Might have to darken it. This is my son, and he has a superpower. Okay. I did. Anytime I visit a church, I share this video. It amazes me to this day. Uh, that was my son. He was very young, and he was sleep eating. And he literally, uh, I, unfortunately, I don't have sound on there, but he literally, he's, making, he's like, mm. And here's the thing. The reason I shared that this morning, there is a, a, ver, there is a word in verse in verse 10 that we all read over, read through this, and it's all this great stuff about the knowledge of God and growing and all that. But there's a word that we've read over and over again. And we've, some of us that have said, uh, have uttered this phrase at a very profound moment in our lives, but we gloss over it. And that word is Lord. Here in verse 10 and all throughout the book of Colossians, as you, uh, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about it, is a whole idea of Jesus being Lord. And see, when I was 19, I got baptized 32 and a half years ago in San Diego. Uh, I was a 19-year-old campus student. I got baptized, and at 1 in the morning, uh, right off the 94, uh, 94 highways in a jacuzzi at 1 in the morning, and the question is asked, and you guys can work with me on this, it says, do you believe Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that he was crucified for your sins, raised again on the third day? The answer, yes. What is your good confession? Jesus. Is Lord. For all of us who were baptized, we said that. And so, uh, you know, it's kind of like, oh, hey, we, we got to say this so we can get in the water. Biblically, it's from 1 Timothy 6, 12, where he says, we make our good confession in the presence of many witnesses. At that time, it was very profound because they were saying Caesar is not Lord. Uh, the, the emperor, nobody else is Lord. Jesus is it. All my allegiances, I submit. All, uh, he has all power and authority and influence in my life. And I said that Jesus is Lord. And the, the biggest challenge of the Christian walk is saying Jesus is Lord every day. And the reason we have a problem with the whole idea of Lord, of Lord and the word means it's, it's literally master. It means someone who has absolute power and authority. And for us as Americans, if we, if we grew up in the West in particular, we hate that. I hate that. Marriage was tough for me. The biggest parts of marriage were tough for me at the very beginning. I've said my vows. We have our vows over our bed, and I've got all these things there uh, uh, that I said. The biggest challenge for me was, wait a minute. So marriage means I got to be at home for dinner when it's time for dinner. I can't just grab Chinese food on the way home and be like, babe, I'm good. I'm not living with a roommate. There's actually commitments. I sacrifice some rights 
to have a marriage as God says. Such a challenge for me. In lordship, submitting everything to him, everything. We like it. We like the benefits. It's like I love wearing size 32 waist pants. I like fitting very nicely in a Euro cut suit. I don't like to work out to get there. Our entire challenge, our entire challenge in the Christian walk is us learning to submit to the Lordship of Jesus. There are three areas today I want to share in brief. Share in brief. There are three areas that we've got to work to submit to the Lordship and not just read over it. But when we read Lord, here's what we're reading. Three areas. And I, do I have our picture? You can go to the next one. Next one. Oh, hold on. Okay. It'll come up. This is your obligatory picture. It's a tree with a root. Three areas real quick. We'll get there. Uh, you got it? There you go. Because you guys are talking about rooted. This is an ancient house. Uh, and I don't know what, which came first. Uh, the tree, I think the tree had to come first, right? But it's rooted. It's all throughout there. And if we are, if you're going to be rooted, we've got to be rooted in the lordship of Jesus, right? It's got to infiltrate every part of our lives. Three areas for us. In Colossians, it addresses life in the home, life in the church, and life in the world. First, life in the home. Life in the home. Is there anybody in here uh, that has, uh, I need $18,284.32, and I need it cash. Claudia, you got that? Does anybody have $18,824 and whatever cents that I said? I can't remember. Cash. Does anybody have that? You know why you don't have it? You know why you can't give it to me? Because you ain't got it. And when it comes to lordship, the first place it starts is in the home. So before you get to the church, before you go out into the world, and again, this is for everyone who's already said, Jesus is Lord. This is actually Colossians is written to the church. It starts in our homes. And a couple things. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Sajan will reconcile after if I missed any of your theme for the year up. Colossians chapter 3. In verse 5, actually verse 1 says, Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated, the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and now your life is hidden with Christ in God. He says here, the first thing for the Christian, for those of us that have said Jesus is Lord, is our lifestyle. Our lifestyle has got to be the first thing. And it, in our home, that's where everything starts. Our lifestyles are the first thing. And he mentions a little bit later on, he talks about singing. And that's one of the things that I want to do address. You guys have the most beautiful worship. But here's the thing, for the Christian, in our walk with God, uh, it starts when we wake up in the morning with where our minds and our hearts are set. And then our lifestyle comes out from there. Our lifestyle cannot be based around our careers, our education. It cannot be based around uh, getting to retirement. Our lifestyle's got to be based around Jesus is Lord. And I want to please my Lord because whatever the Lord has for me and all of us who've been in Christ for any length of time, 
we all are experiencing the benefits of that lordship. And so we wake up in the morning and it's got to be part of our lifestyle. And what does that mean in our relationship with him? Lord, I'm so grateful. I want to give it all to you. Here's my career. Here's my education. Here's my marriage. Here's my parents. It's all yours. Here are my emotions. I battled depression. It's very well possible that my therapist might be in the room. <laughs> he may have some input for me later. <laughs> but battling depression, this past year has been the hardest year. And every, every day there's been a part of me that says, just quit. Just give in. In a lifestyle, some of us have lived lives based upon our emotions and not Jesus as Lord. And we've lived our lives based upon uh, all these other things and not Jesus as Lord. And so and, and we're up and down. And, and really, scripturally, God is trying to mature us. Paul and, and uh, their, their spirit is trying to mature us to get to that space where we're comfortable with Jesus being Lord of every part. And it's difficult. It is a lifelong pursuit to submit to the Lordship of Jesus. Our lifestyles are so important and they start out. I had a, a roommate. He annoyed the, the absolute tar out of me. And here's why he annoyed me. He would wake up every morning, literally when I was a campus student, he would wake up uh, every morning with a smile on his face. The Big Cheshire cat, dumb smile on his face. And he woke up, he had glasses, his name was Steve Holker, and he put his glasses on. And, he had... and I'm like, I, asked, I said, dude, how? How? And he, said, he says, every morning when I wake up, in my mind, the first thing I start singing, not, not audibly, but in my mind, he says, I sing, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So I, I uh, know Sajan's discipline for the year is, is gratitude. Uh, and, or yeah, and so for me, I started doing that, and it literally changed how I woke up in the morning. You know, those people that say I'm not a morning person, I literally became a morning person, because every morning it was, "Thank you, Lord, for loving me." Actually, not at that time; it was, "Thank you, Lord, for loving me." Not the new arrangement, anyway. <laughs> but our lifestyles—it starts with God in the morning, setting our minds, setting our hearts. Also, uh, our language. Our language in the home is so important. Our language is so important. Paul writes, and I appreciate Sajan giving the welcome this morning, and just his overflowing love. Paul's words are filled with gratitude, love, faith, and he's building them up all the time. This is difficult in the home. The past two years, we've been in, home, in our homes more than ever. I know I have been. And you, you never get more exposed than you are around your children. The only two people in my entire life that can make me angry are my sons. I do not raise my voice. I've raised my voice with my wife twice in our 20 plus, almost 21 years of marriage. And I can tell you it was April 2015. Uh, I remember distinctly because I never raised my voice. We were moving. Long story short, I sinned. Uh, and I apologize. She's forgotten about it. But over this pat, the pandemic, it's, I, I remember just having to apologize over and over to my sons because I was angry angry in my words. Everything was angry. I was walking around like a drill sergeant. I've got a teen and a preteen. Pick that up. Move that. Why is that still there? What are you doing? <laughs> all the time. And all of my language. And I, 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 God gave me the opportunity to listen to myself. And I was like, how would I feel if every time my father saw me, he was just like, 
you forgot that. You messed up here. You did that. And guys, in our homes, no one else here is going to know but the Holy Spirit, you, and those around you. And you don't necessarily need to have children for that. Uh, your roommates, your families, whoever it is that uh, in your home, your language is so important. I've got to move. Okay, I'm so sorry. Uh, we get our life in the home straight. And again, I talked about singing. He, uh, chapter 3 talks about uh, how we need to sing to one another. And I, I, was, I wanted to share that because at church, one of the things that's happened, I grew up singing, well, grew up in the church rather, singing uh, at one time I became a Christian. Over time, I have sung less and less at home. I worship less and less. And so all of a sudden I realize I come to church and because the words are on the screen, I don't need to carry a songbook anymore like a Bible. And now I'm not singing anymore to God. And so when I come to church, it's the only time I sing. And then we weren't having church and now everything's virtual. Now I'm really not singing. And, and for you, I would just say your lifestyle, lordship, your, your relationship with him, is, it, is, is that part there? Because he wants, he commands, he, he joy was built in, celebration was built in to God's people. Any case, sorry, uh, life in the church. Number two, lordship in the church. It's got to impact our life in, lives in the church. In chapter two, uh, in chapter two, he talks about judging. I'm gonna I'm gonna run through this really quickly because I want to get to chapter uh, to part three. Uh, in chapter two, he talks about uh, he, he talks about not judging each other. Uh, we are all very good at. And if you know, Jesus spent a lot of time dealing with the disciples because we judge each other all of the time. Uh, do you guys know why? Uh, I was watching a television show and starting, I, don't, I think it was in the, late, in the late 90s, there started a trend of anti-heroes in television. There are shows where there are no good people. There's a current show that's very popular, Emmy Award winning, and I, I was watching the show, and I, can't, I will not mention it, there is not one redeemable character in the whole show. Not one. It's very, it's all bad. And I'm like, why is this so popular? You know why? Because we like to judge them. We like to look at them and say, oh my gosh, how disgusting. And in chapter two, he addresses it and talks about, you know, don't let anyone judge you based upon, you know, uh, Sabbaths and all these different things, these festivals. But, you know, one of the things that we do in the church, we're very good. We, we are masters at judging other people. I literally judge these two guys who walked in here with Cowboys jerseys today. What? <laughs> A lack of judgment, discernment. Anyway. And this is very, it, it, it's, it's so prevalent in us. It's like, how do you tell a, uh, a fish it's wet, right? We are soaked in judgment. Tabloids, multi-billion dollar business, these tabloids, TMZ, all these things, because we like to judge celebrities. We like to judge athletes. We judge politicians. And we judge each other in the church. In Colossians 3, I'm sorry. In verse 9, it says, do not, I'm sorry, uh, verse 9. Yeah, let's do it. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image, in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Jew, Greek, circumcised or uncircumcised, bar, uh, barbarian, Scythian, slave free, uh, but Christ is all and is in all. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, kindness, and patience. Bear with each other. 
forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. In our relationships in the church, we've got to guard ourselves against judging each other, especially now. I don't know why you're at home. Those that are at home, I have no idea why you're there. I don't know. Some may have an apprehension because they're scared because they, I had COVID. I know some of y'all have had COVID. Man, it was a beast. I still can't smell and taste right. And I know there's some people that are deathly afraid. They've got whatever issues and they're like, they're scared to death. They're scared for their children, whatever. Amen. There are some people that are staying home because it's just more comfortable. Here's the thing. We don't know the difference and it's not our job to know. It is our job to love, but it is so easy for us to judge. We've got to guard our hearts. And it starts with, you know, when we come here, like, I don't know where such and such is. Oh, yeah, they're probably just at home, whatever. We've got to guard our hearts against that. Satan will use that to destroy the church. We've got to guard against judging each other based upon whatever socioeconomic groups we come from. Uh, I know here you guys have, I think, probably more, uh, more degrees, uh, advanced degrees than any other church in the fellowship, maybe other than Seattle or in, and maybe Boston. I don't know. But you guys are so smart. I'm, I'm literally like an, or, uh, an uh, unschooled ordinary man here. But it's so easy to judge one another based upon all these different things. Our society is based upon that. Every advertisement we see is based upon, oh, you know, is based upon beauty and, oh, you need this, you need that, you don't have this. Everything is based upon judging each other. And God is like, nope, at the foot of this cross, you're all the same. And this was written to Christians because they were battling that. Guess what? This wasn't just written to them. This was written to us. It's written for you. I judge people all the time. I judge them all the time. It hinders my ability to have God, uh, uh, it hinders my ability to have proper relationships in the church. If Jesus is going to be Lord, he's got to be Lord of my relationships and how I view each other. Uh, he goes on, he talks about reconciliation. He says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. There's a book I read called Unoffendable. It's really, really good. Honestly, it was life-changing for me. And uh, in the book, he refers to uh, the unmerciful servant. If there's any person I could say that I hate in the scripture, it's not even a real person. It's actually the unmerciful servant in the parable that Jesus told in Matthew 18. And I look at that person, I've always, I'm like, oh my, that's just so disgusting. I can't stand that person. And then, as I read it, and I was going through some relational things where, you know, uh, just all kinds of uh, things where actually people sinned against me. And I prayed, God, let them feel everything that I feel. I want them to feel, I want them to feel what it's like, all this stuff that they're putting me through. I want them to feel this. And I prayed that and I, you know, uh, again, with friends, I said, man, I, I pray they get what I'm getting right now. And I realized I'm the unmerciful servant. And there's a part of me that feels justified, right? Like I'm being done wrong. Nope, they need to get it too. Jesus is not that way with me. Jesus is not that way. And I don't want, I don't want my standard for justice. I don't want my standard for righteousness. I don't want that. I don't want God to apply that to me. I can't bear up under it. And that's why Jesus died on the cross. He says, forgive how Jesus forgave. He initiated. 
He persevered. He believed. That's what Jesus did on that cross. Even while he's dying, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Those are the hardest words to say for me when I know someone is trying to hurt me intentionally. And the question is, in the church, how are you doing at reconciliation? In a longstanding church with relationships that have been here for years and years, one of the easiest things to do is like, oh, that's just such and such. And so what happens is we recognize it, we see it, but we really don't, we, there's, a, there's this barrier that's up and we don't have true relationship because there hasn't been forgiveness because there, there's been no reconciliation. Does that make sense? It's not there. And so we walk around, it looks good. It looks like real fellowship, but it's not. Because it's not the fellowship that Jesus would have. Okay, I said I'd be done. Last thing. Last thing. Life in the world. Life in the world. In Colossians, he goes on in chapter 3. Uh, and he says, verse 22, it says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do, and not only when their eyes on you to win their favor, but, all, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. And obviously, in this context, he's referring to not what we know as chattel slavery. He's referring to uh, slavery was common during that day. Uh, but in our, our, the application for us is our, our, uh, us being employees, and we're out in the world. And I, I want us to say something really quickly, because this is important, because if we get this right at home uh, and we, we get it right in the church, well, it'll be easier in, in the world. As we go on out in our classrooms, uh, if we go on out uh, in our, for our employees, whatever it is, here's what I want us to say today, today. Jesus is my boss. Can you guys say that with me? Jesus is my boss. Say it again, please. Jesus is my boss. Because here's the thing, when we go on out into the world, we are called to be like Jesus in the world. Every one of us in our own little way, uh, our little piece of Jesus out in the world to bring that light out into a dark world. And what happens is we forget because our lifestyle at home is not centered around Jesus. And even when we come in the church, uh, because our relationships aren't right, we take that right on out into the world. We don't have a light for this world. And we're, we're not thinking we are not thinking, oh, wow, God is at every step along the way for us. And so at my job, he may be a jerk. He may be whatever. She may be whatever. They may be slanderous. They may be liars, uh, cheaters, whatever they are. But guess what? Jesus is my boss. And I serve him. I'm under his lordship. But here's the thing. That lordship, it frees us from all the stuff in the world. It frees us up. Those are like, no matter what you do, God's got my back. I don't know about, uh, there's a sister in, uh, in, and again, you hear these stories all the time, sister in uh, Hartford, and her boss was just giving her the blues. They were trying to set her up. There's jealousy, all this kind of stuff. And so she went and told, I said, she called me. I said, here, God is your boss. We went through this whole thing. I said, go speak, go speak to, uh, go speak to, go speak to your, your supervisor, supervisor, and lay it out. She set up a meeting. They talked. Uh, and said, I don't know, she said, I don't know what's happening. Uh, and so they go through this whole thing, they go through this whole bit, and so she prays. They, after they have the meeting, the next day, her supervisor, the one that was giving her the blues, called in sick and said, I, I need a week off. Never came back to work again. And then God 
gave her a promotion because, again, she's working hard, good conscience, all that stuff, just really representing God. And God just raised her up, gave her a new job and a whole new position, more money and all that. Doesn't always work that way. Sometimes we just have to suffer under it so God can help us understand what Jesus went through. Amen? And that's a blessing, and that produces blessings in and of itself. But God is always there, and we're the ones to bring light and love out into the world. But if he's not Lord of our lives and our homes, he's not Lord of our lives here, we can't be that out there. I don't care what government, I don't care if you're a capitalist, I don't care uh, if you uh, subscribe to socialism or whatever your thing is, guess what? It don't work without the lordship of Jesus. Dr. King had an incredible dream for our country, for all this equality. You know why it wasn't going to work? Because our country would never subscribe to the lordship of Jesus. The lordship of Jesus is all about love. And just the way a country doesn't work without the lordship of Jesus, our lives don't work without the lordship of Jesus. Hopefully that makes sense. Not as concise as maybe you're used to but I pray that it was in some way helpful and helps you to move along a little further in your maturity and your desire to have Jesus Lord of your life. I do want to thank you. I love Sajan and Lisa. I'm being very honest. You, you probably could not get a better minister. You could not. Uh, you could not get people that are more humble, more in touch, uh, more spiritual and desire, desirous of pleasing God than Sajan and Lisa. Uh, amen. I love y'all. This has been an episode of the Pioneer Valley Church of Christ podcast. To learn more about us, visit our website at www.pioneervalleycoc.org.